Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Chick's Trip. I've got something stuck in my teeth. Oh, get it out. What is it? Oh, it's a chick in history. Oh, welcome. (laughs) (laughs) See what I did there? Is that? It was actually just a seed and it's still in there. Oh, that's so annoying. Have you got to get something? Come on. It's going to annoy you. I'm going to do that. You're going to tongue it out. You're going to do that. You're going to be talking like that for the whole podcast. That's what he said. I'm going to tongue it out. Oh, look at Pete. Oh. What's he doing? Just look at him. Just being Pete. Oh. He's just being my leg. Hello. Welcome to another Should- episode. Oh, God. When you do a pause, I think you're waiting for me to jump in. Okay. Bec- yeah. All right. Let's go again. Go. Hi, welcome to Chickstree, another episode of Chickstree. Chicks in history. Very good, we oh, did it. Oh, that was good. That was really good. It's very rare that we do that, get we, it right. Yeah, we don't We don't rehearse that opener. We just, you know, look, we're just, we're creatives. We just go with what comes. We fly by the seat of our pants. That's it. Me and Sis and Bev have all got really bad hay fever at the moment the plane oh, trees are no. really getting to us and we're coughing a lot it's like getting that pollen dry in the back cough of our yeah yeah i it's just really got it awful. just then yeah it's awful around like you know it's apparently like two decades it's going to take to replace those plane trees really they've got to get them out they're massive the prettiest trees. All the plane trees. No, that's flame trees. Oh, oh. All the plane trees go by the weary driver. Four. And there's <laughs> nothing else to set fire to this town. Don't bomb. Which, which makes me think of women in comedy. Does it? <laughs> Before we go there... I cracked myself up. Speaking of plane trees, <laughs> women in comedy. Think about women in comedy. But before we go to women in comedy, which is what this episode is going to be all about, correct? Annette. Correct, Yvette. Before we go there, we need to chat about what we've been watching and listening to and thinking about. Okay. Did we have a let's watch something last week? I don't think we did. I don't think we did either. Oh, impeachment. Yes. We told everyone to watch Impeachment. We are watching Impeachment. Yes, I'm still going. I'm up to date. However, I can't finish, seem to finish the last episode because I fall asleep. Ah, standard Annie. But I will. Stanny. Stanny. Speaking of Stanny though, Mm -hmm. I've gone down, I've gone down a a re-appreciation rabbit hole for Stanley Tucci. Oh, he's adorable. Are you watching him cook? I, I'm going drinks. to watch him cook and make drinks, but I've heard him oh. just on a couple of podcasts just by oh. just by random happenstance. He has such a funny way of speaking and it annoys the shit out of me. Does it? Yeah. I really like him though. Oh, but, I you know, love know, just the way him. he speaks. Oh, I love it. I'm just so – he's so – I love – I could listen to him talk 
forever. Well, this is where we come unstuck. Yeah. No, but that's okay. I just, I like him a lot. It's just the way, like, you know, I always think of him in The Devil Wears Prada. Yeah. And, you know, when he says to Andy, well, so just quit. Mm -hmm. Just quit then if you don't Mm -hmm. like it. He was such an asshole. Everyone was like, oh, Gird your loins. And I'm like, yeah, no, you're an asshole. Yeah, he was an asshole in that. Great character, great Great actor. I've listened to him recently talk about his ex-wife who died of cancer and he is now married to Emily Blunt's sister. You see, I didn't know that. So they met at Emily. If I maybe find out a bit more about him personally, I like him and the way he speaks. Well, maybe, but he Who met... doesn't like someone because of the way they well, speak? You, you. That's you dreadful. Don't. It's dreadful. Uh, but no, he met her... He met... Well, he obviously knew Emily Blunt from Devil Wears Prada. Mm. They were friends. And then Emily and Krasansky sure. got married. Yeah. And Stanley Tucci came to the wedding and then it all kind of kicked, kicked off, off there. And it's very adorable. Oh, I'm going to listen to that. What's that on? And that's on Dolly Alderton's podcast, Love Stories. Love Stories. It's a really old ep though. Um, yeah, that's all right. And then just recently I listened to uh, How to Fail with Elizabeth Day. He does an episode with her on her podcast about um, his new movie that's coming out with Colin Firth. What is it? Oh, it looks Supernova. so good. It looks so good. It looks so, so good. Mm. Um, but devastatingly, you know, he loves food and he's a big foodie and he's got two cookbooks out and yada, yada. He did that series, um, Searching for Italy, a travel, travel oh, have you food watched that? story. I haven't watched that, but I will. It's on the list. But he got um, – He's just gotten over cancer and he had tongue cancer. Yes, did he? Which meant he couldn't eat or <gasps> taste anything for no, about two years. That's right. And it's so heartbreaking. You know, it's such a cruel thing to have happened to him because Especially he loves because food so much. Mm. So I listened to the Dolly Alderton one, which is pre him getting cancer, and he talks about food. He just has this relationship with food Does like he Italian talk about food like I talk about McDonald's pretty much mm, I get it now um and then you listen to the podcast you know which is five years later where he's gone through had you know finished going through yeah does he have his taste cancer. and smell back he, not a hundred percent but he's getting there right but um yeah so anyway that's my Stanley Tucci um well, I'll, I'll give it a really a little go. Give him another go. Give, give his him... voice another try. Okay, I okay. will. I will. And uh, speaking of Stanley Tucci, yeah, it's got God, nothing to do I with love him. Um, Been watching Squid Game. Oh yeah. Um, everyone's watching Squid Game. I'm not. Everyone's watching it. I'm not. I'm doing that whole thing, you know, you... like the Game of Thrones thing, yeah. where I just resist, 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 resist. Did you watch Game of Thrones? And then I watch it. Did and then I talk about films? yeah, and then I talk and then I oh, go on a rampage. I may and talk destroy about you. It. You did that. I did that with I may destroy you. I did that with Shit's Creek. You did. You did. You're a slow, and then when I watch you're like it, a special Ed kid. And yeah, and then when I watch it, I I get angry. Yeah, at everyone. Everyone. We didn't why make didn't you do it? You ma- this is so good. Yes. <laughs> well, can I just say, Squid Game? It's going to be one of those. You are not to watch it. Oh, why? You are not to watch it. Why? You go. You will actually get angry at me for letting you watch it. Why? Because it's so incredibly dark and horror. It's horror. Is it? Proper horror. Is it? Like it is so macabre. 
and but I like you no you no mm. you like true crime. Yeah. You is don't, this a bit mind fuckery? It's a co- complete mind fuck. Yeah. It is about they put adults in a facility. Uh-huh. Do you like movies like Saw? No. Okay, it's just like that. That's why I say you can't watch it. Oh. It's just like that. Like just torture. Like that. torture. Tor- it's torture. It's d- doing things to humans that leave you astounded. Oh, God, no. But it's a Korean. But everyone's talking. Did you about like Parasite? It. Yeah, I did like. So Paris you might. That's movie. why I think Squid Game is so popular. Yeah, because you know yeah. Saw has its own kind of cult following. Yes, it's 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 horror and it's also mind fuckery. You know how yeah. they had to make him choose. Yes. Yeah. Um, and Parasite was is a bit mind fuckery. Um, and a little bit horror. Yeah. You know how yeah. um, th- it was it so. It builds f- up to yeah. like. What awful. you saw, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Squid Game's immediately like that. Oh, shit, and the mind fuckery comes in. That doesn't come across in all the bloody pedestrian articles I've been reading. They don't really drill that into. They really it's one don't. Of those, they like, need to secret kind of like. I've had a few because I've been um, Instagramming that I'm doing it, and I've had a lot of DMs. A few DMs from people saying I started it first game. Yeah. I was out. Oh, okay. Because all the adults, they get these adults in this this facility. I won't tell you how they get them in there because, okay. you know, it's part of the story if you ever want to watch it. Yeah. But what they do is they make them play children's games. Right. And if they get to the next, if they win that part of the game, like it's like yeah. um, they call it green light, red light. It's like, you remember red oh. wolf... Um, you know, stop and go, stop and go. Like, yeah, kind yeah. of. You turn around yes. and you've got to freeze. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's that game is the first game. So if you don't, if you get, if you fail, you oh. get eliminated right yeah. from the game. But yeah. what you they don't they just shoot them. Yeah. They kill them immediately. Oh, on it's the, the most graphic thing you've Jesus. ever seen. And they're just normal people. And they're not allowed to stop playing because they've signed a waiver at the beginning that right. they they didn't know what eliminated was going to entail. Oh, uh, and but they're just normal people from the streets, or are they? Have they? Are they? Cho- how are they chosen? Do you want to know? No. <laughs> <laughs> Good talk then. Good talk. No, they're all people who are basically in debt. Right. Because there is a massive prize pool at the end. Keeps them there. Okay, okay. They actually all leave at one point. Do that. They all one at a time come back. Because they go back to their hideous lives of, you know, debt sharks coming after them. Right. Or bringing shame to their family. You know, that kind of thing. So you've got that Korean... um, I'm curious way of life as well which mm. i found really interesting about the show um it, 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 it just maybe give it a go and i say this to everyone yeah. give it a go that first episode if you can do the first episode you will be fine because actually it will desensitize you to the rest of it, it mm-hmm. uh, some people mm-hmm. go it gets worse i don't think it gets worse okay but what happens in the gets worse is you start to feel for the character you start to get to know the characters really well so as things get worse it's because you're losing characters. you don't want to look yeah you get attached you get a- attached yes to them and you know there's a big twist at the end okay which you don't see coming okay so all right give it a go um if you liked parasite give it a go okay all right nice good good recos so my chick in the now today is um i've chosen to to 
highlight and give a shout out to a comedian that I love. I know you love as well. I've enjoyed watching her do stuff during lockdown, which has been quite hilarious. Um, Her name is Celia Pacola. Just had Yum Cha with her. You did. Uh, But she's got a new show on SBS that I watched the other night um, called The Truth About Anxiety. And it's really really good. good. It's really good. It's a really good deep dive into anxiety and what it looks like in lots of different people. Yeah, different yeah, different ways. Different walks of life, the way that it manifests and yeah, turns up for men really and good women to and see it because so many people suffer from it. Yeah. And think that there is it either doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. They're being silly. Yeah. Or it's just not happening. Yeah. So it's yeah. amazing. It's, I really liked it a lot. It's really good. And and it's a common um could be said that it's a common thing that a lot of comedians suffer from a lot of these kind of you know mental uh, health issues and depression or anxiety and she you know she's one of these one of these people but she manages to um you know funnel that into being creative and to to being on stage and to making people laugh and she's an amazing writer yeah um rose haven and um utopia both shows that she's written and and she's starred in yeah very talented uh, girl. she's a very woman. very talented young woman. lady woman uh woman it made me go on a little bit of a rabbit deep dive hole with her and i watched her um who do you think you are episode yeah and that show i god it's good it really it's is. So you know, it's one good. show I really want to be asked to do. Really? That would it's be... the one show I really is, want to do. Don't you think it's incredible? Mm. The information they to find out. To be able out. to find that, yeah. Is, yeah, I would love to know all of that about myself. It's so fascinating. Yeah. The stuff that they find I on know. these people. So, so good. So Celia finds out that her her grand, great, 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 great grandfather um, had uh, stolen land from the... Um, Indigenous people. She oh. meets a Darug man yeah. on the land oh, that was her, stolen and yep. given to her family. And it's so heartbreaking. She, you can tell she's oh. visibly like just absolutely devastated. And she finds this out and she has a chat to this to this guy who's lovely and oh. beautiful with her. And then after it, she's come out. And apologised and said, you know, in my recent episode, I found out that my ancestors were recipients of stolen land. And, um, you know, she said, and she just, she's like, Our, my job is to listen and to try learn. And, yeah, and learn and, help. and to help, yeah, and appreciate kind yep. of, you know, where they're coming from. But it's a beautiful moment because it's, it, it really shows this connection of, of, you know, two ancestors that have come from history mm. And and what a, what has happened in the past yeah. for those two people? And Very it, different. That's such a lovely way of seeing how easy it is to say sorry. Yeah, for something really, you didn't do. Yeah, but, yeah, but you've um, benefited from. Yes, yeah. I just like to say quickly on the beginning of September, I always listen to ABC Radio. Yeah, uh, ABC Melbourne and um, Virginia Trioli. Um, and then it goes on to Jacinta Parsons. And I think it's Jacinta Parsons that does um, – gets a famous person. She just asks them questions. They've yep. got to kind of say their favourite this or their best yeah. memory of that. And the Celia Bacola episode is really, really good. So, is it? Oh, um, great. Okay. I'm going to watch it. It's I'll listen to it, I from say. the 2nd of September. Okay. So if you look that up, 
um, Food and Cinemas and Piano Mysteries is what it's called, oh, that little great. excerpt. Yeah. It only goes for 23 minutes. Okay. But I actually sent her a message and said that was so enjoyable. She's, She's very self-deprecating. I said to her, you could do hosting on the radio and she goes no I couldn't yeah no, I'm like, no, you could you, could. <laughs> you yeah. really really could. She could I mean even her uh, I was noticing in that show the um, truth about anxiety the voiceover that she does for that is brilliant really and it's really unconventional and she won dancing with the stars she did let's I mean what can't this woman do exactly seriously exactly. and she still thinks she can't do it Things. Oh, Celia, if you're listening, yeah. you can do it, babe. You can do it. I, I've actually, when I had Yamcha with us, I'd love to have you on as a guest. So we I'll should. hold her to that. Because yeah, I said to everyone, the whole table, absolutely. We're, you know, we're having guests on. I think I gave her a poignant look and she nodded. So I take that Great. as a confirmation. She's coming on. Oh, she's coming on then. Yeah, well, yeah. there we go. Announce. It's announced. There we go. So, yeah, Celia Pacola, we salute you. Clap, clap. Happy. So today we're talking about women in comedy. Yeah. Do you want me to tell you a bit about comedy? What do you know about comedy? What? Do you know about comedy or not? Yeah. Do you know about comedy mm, no. or not? All right. So while primarily dominated by men throughout history, women have been represented in the field of comedy since the mid-1700s. 1700s? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Comedy, or otherwise, as it's known, creative works within the intention of humour. Oh. <laughs> I work in the creative works with the intention of humour. Oh, I think that's really, really... That's great. I have a PhD in creative works, creative with, works the with the intention of, of humour. Um, it's thought to have originated in Greek theatre in 425 BCE. What's it all does. E? The BCE? Yeah, I thought it was just BC. <laughs> Before Christ, or is it before Christ? Before Christ, ever. (laughs) E V A H, ever. Ever. (laughs) Some of the first figures to enter the field, however, were faced with resistance and discrimination. Mm -hmm. A sense of humour in women was previously thought to have meant the ability to laugh at a man's joke rather than the joke itself. When women did finally enter comedy in its various forms, it was seen as niche, thus making bookings hard to come by. Early acts were often based on the standard roles of women as a housewife and a mother. That's so um, funny. That's so funny. Which is the woman in history that I'm doing later. Yeah. Is what she based it all on. Yeah. yeah. But kind of, you know, made it her own. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Comedy was tailored to what men would find to be both funny and non-threatening. Mm. As women gained slow acceptance to their presence in comedy... They were able to expand their topics that they covered. Since then, women have made significant gains in the field, having found fame through stand-up, television, movies and writing. Women such as Phyllis Diller, mm-hmm. Wanda Sykes and Gina Berecker. Who's Gina yeah. Berecker? I'll tell you about her in okay. a second. She comes up in this. Great. And many others have contributed to the world of comedy spanning both time and medium as comedy license has grown comedy has become a tool within the scope of feminism mm, yeah I found um this is what i found really interesting mm-hmm. by reclaiming a previously male exclusive art form mm. feminist comedians are able to use the traditionally male art of comedy to critique what they view as patriarchal Structural. Mm, so, again, we're turning the uh, they're turning the the weapon on themselves. On them. Yeah, we're well, turning, yeah, we're they're using turning their weapon on them. Their, yeah, they're turning it from themselves to them. To them yeah. yeah, I know what you meant. 
I meant what you knew. Today, feminist comedy draws attention to female issues such as menstruation, rape, gender inequality, and norms, and machismo. Machismo? Do you know what machismo is? Nah. Sounds like akimbo. It does, which doesn't I like it? That. I love that word, akimbo. Machismo. Machismo. Is the sense of being manly. As Ooh. a readily acceptable and understandable medium of communication, mm. comedy lends itself to the feminist movement, allowing a woman's issue to be more widespread in general society. There are a few different types of comedy, as we all know, mm-hmm. stand-up. Mm-hmm. For women, the direct contact with the audience put their, puts their womanhood on display. Many female comedians choose to wear loose-fitting clothing to make their femininity, to take their femininity out, out of the of spotlight. Yeah, right. There's late-night TV, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. American late-night television, like The Tonight Show, The Daily Show, etc., has been dominated by... Men. White men. Of white course. men. White, yeah, well, white men. Yeah, of and course. And now we've got Trevor Noah. Yeah. Who is mm-hmm. a man of colour. Yeah. Who else is there really dominating? I mean, not dominating, but there certainly is not a woman. Except for Full Frontal with Samantha B. She's a woman who's got a late night show on a major network of her own. Right. In the United States. I thought you were think, talking about Full Frontal in, here, yeah. in Australia, but there's a Full Frontal. That's her show, is That's it? That's her late night show. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then there's film. Film in general, as well as comedic film, mm-hmm. continues to show the gender imbalance of other forms of comedy. In 2014, a study found that there were 2.24 male characters for every one female God. character. Of the movie surveyed, 30.9% of the speaking characters were female. 30%. Jesus. When was this? 2014. Mm-hmm. Additionally, one of the major storylines in the film industry, the romantic comedy, uh-huh. consistently follows traditional female roles. Women who are unhappy looking for a man who's already happy. To make her happy. That's the rom-com. Yeah. You don't see the man sitting at home looking at his granny undies singing all by myself, do you? You don't, no. You see him wearing a sweater, having a fantastic lawyer life. He's having a fantastic life and he's got a myriad of women he could choose from. Exactly, all the sad women to choose from. All the sad women to choose from. Anyway, the gender imbalance between men and women can be found all over, even on Wikipedia. Mm. Did you know the list of comedians... That page in Wikipedia mm-hmm. shows much, much, much higher percentage of men than women. Yeah, I bet. In the United States, there is a large gender gap between men and women in comedy with regards to both pay and number. Yeah, yeah. In 2014, all 10 of the top paid comedians were male, bringing surprise, in a total surprise. of $173 million. Jesus. In 2016. Yeah. One female entered the list. Yay! Do you want to guess who that is? Ellen DeGeneres. No. Oh. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yep. Good. On she, her. She's stand up and has her own and show. It, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in appearances now. Mm-hmm. So a study in 2017 found a large gender imbalance of UK comedic panel shows, mm. with only 31% of the appearances being women. However, the same study also found market improvement since 1989 when That's the statistic good. was probably 10%. Three. Oh, shit. 
3% on panel shows. Shit. Additionally, the UK industry website Chortle always Chortle. makes me go, oh, 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 oh. Uh, at least 269 female comedians as compared to 1,279 male comedians. Mm. Imbalance can also be seen at the level of the comedy club. Yep. For example, the prestigious New York comedy club Caroline's features 20% female to 80% male. Mm-hmm. Within the writer's room, gender imbalance persists. Mm-hmm. Women make up 10% of writers. Jesus. Um, that, that are working on 250 domestic grossing films. That's insane. 15% of writers and 18% of creators in primetime TV. In South Korea, of 70 comedic variety shows, 13 had all male hosts and guests and 23 with all male hosts. Only two shows had all female hosts and guests. Two. Shows without hosts often try to model marriages by pairing up male and And female female. celebrities, which Mm. is what ours does. I mean, we do that across TV in general with like... Yeah, morning shows and exactly you know, can't have just two women. No, oh god, can't no. just have two men. We do it on radio. You tell me. Yeah. You tell me two women that are on Drive or Breakfast Radio. Didn't Yumi Steins and Chrissy? They Stein did three pm pick up. Three pm pick up. It's not prime. It's time. not prime yep. time. And that's what so mums drive do. Pick up exactly, the kids. Yeah. Exactly. And it's still going. And they have those two other girls. Though those two girls on at five am <laughs> before breakfast starts. <laughs> The early fig- I shouldn't laugh, but I know. Jesus Christ. The f- early female figures in stand-up, such as Phyllis Diller, mm-hmm. who is who I'm going to be doing as my chicken history today, mm-hmm. they were able to enter the mainstream through their willingness to self-deprecate yeah. and declare themselves ugly. Yeah, yeah. Other early female comedians, such as Mae West and Helen Kane, used sex appeal to attract male audiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In other words, they were able to enter but not on the terms of male comedians. Mm-hmm. More modern female comedians cite a need to tailor their comedy to what men would find funny with only change in this mentality coming very recently. Yeah. In stand-up comedy in particular, it's described as a masculine art form. The words that are used to describe success are often violent, such as they killed or annihilated. Yeah, when they right. come off stage. The performer must take charge of the stage, claiming it as their own via the phallic symbol of the microphone. Oh, wow, yes. The structure of joke is often centred on an attack on another party. Mm-hmm. The aggression that such an art from form necessitates is encouraged in males but discouraged in females. Yeah, because then they're just whingy, whiny, yeah. angry, angry lesbians. Yeah, ex- you're hysterical. Yeah. 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 In many societies around the world, a woman's role has affected her flexibility in comedy. In countries that historically view women as inferior to men, comedy is seen as a masculine discipline. Mm. The common perception that women aren't funny pervades all aspects of comedy. And including stand-up television and movies. The comedy establishment influenced by patriarchal society has relegated women to the side of tears and loss yeah they're really good at that systemic sexism can be found at the level of audience members bookers agents and male comics as a powerful social tool comedy brings women outside of the traditional role that has been defined as theirs women have experienced everything from heckling audience members calling them gendered terms like bitches or sluts 
to being invited to fake comedic festivals so the organiser could have sex with the female comedian. What? It didn't exist. This is from an article that's written from a woman called Janet Bing mm-hmm, called mm-hmm. Um, Feminist Humour. Is Feminist Humour an Oxymoron? Did you read it? I'm at, no. Um, this is what I found really interesting from that. Humour has been used as a tool of feminism, both for its ability to point out patriarchy and the structures it creates, as well as identify the common female experience. Mm-hmm. A distinction must be made between female humour and feminist humour. Female humour is self-deprecatory, turning inwards on the performer itself. Feminist humour, by contrast, looks outwards at the societal structures that demean women. In it, it is aggressive and pointed using comedic language formerly reserved for men only as a tool of liberation. And this is from um, an author called Martha Lausen from a book that she wrote called The Funny Business of Being Tina Fey, Constructing a Feminist Comedy. That's the title of the book. Feminist humour is to be an agent of change for women by drawing attention to their lowered position in society. (laughs) Um, so back to the other one that I was talking about, Lauren Bing, yeah. she argues that feminist humour, to be most effective at its goal of change, it should be inclusive rather than divisive. Divisive humour or jokes that focus on male structures or male bashing do not advance feminism, but rather continue to marginalise females, yeah. which I disagree with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it does, but I don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's like when – it's like, you know – the all-female comedy festivals or, you know, I remember I remember when I was working in the music industry, there was a, a Women in Music Award, like Women in the Music Industry Award, and it used to piss me off mm. that we, we even had to have a separate award. Yeah, yeah. well, that's people of colour, yeah. women, um, anyone that's not a white man, everything else has to have a certain month dedicated a se- to them. Yeah, yeah, a separate thing. But, but then equal. on the other hand, I kind of... It's good to... If we didn't have it, exactly. Yeah. So it's a weird kind of... It is. And you're, when you're paradox. one of those minorities that are being awarded a month or a, an award... An award. You, you do feel that pull of, can't I just be in the main category? Yeah. I mean, I guess we do it. It's very meta because we do it. Chicks in history, right? Yeah. We're doing, we do a whole podcast just to oh, highlight yeah. chicks which, in history. Which is funny because when we first started talking about doing this podcast, I was against it. Yeah. I wanted to do anyone in history, yeah. didn't I? You did and I said no because how, how's chickstry going to work? Yeah. How's that you, title going to work? You actually said to me, but you, you're a feminist. You, this interests you more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're right. We should just focus on women then. And highlight the stories that aren't being told because the men's stories have been told. Yeah. Forever and ever and yeah. ever. Yeah. The history books are out there, but we're just adding things mm. to them. Yeah. Correcting them. Correcting them. Yeah. I'm going to follow on with... Um, my little bit of research I did yep. as well on this because it follows on quite nicely. On it there about um, women aren't funny, and I wanted to do a bit of They're research really around. Not. They really aren't. Where that came Don't from? Laugh at me! I'm not funny. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Are you... I'm, I'm a not woman. Funny? I am not funny. Yeah, so I wanted to do a little bit of research into where this notion came from and why. Why is that just a thing? Like it's such a. Um, 
a throwaway line that that people have been saying for for centuries actually back in 1695 mm-hmm. uh, there was a playwright called William Congreve and he said I must confess I have never made an observation of what I apprehend to be true humor in women perhaps passions are too powerful in that sex to let humor have its course or maybe by reason their natural coldness humor cannot exert itself to that extravagant degree which it does in the male sex these quotes are going to make you very angry because it's really looking at just how William's never been made a woman happy let me just say that he has just yeah. made women very unhappy well funny that you say that because he is actually behind the popular quote hell hath no fury like a woman scorned mm. Mm, i wonder why in 1884 uh, another guy i've actually made a pact with myself this morning i wasn't even going to say the guy's names because i do, didn't want to give them any more airtime. <laughs> but another guy just say what their stupid quotes yeah are. Another guy says um, that the rarest of qualities in a woman um, is the ability to be, to have a sense of humour. And then in 1975, uh, John Belushi, it was his belief that um, women weren't funny. Oh, I know. And he always said that they weren't funny. And he usually would ask for the girls to be fired. Yes. He used to say, fire the girls. He's very famously said that. And in an Oprah interview in 2011, um, he, uh, a member of Saturday Night Live said that he used to try and sabotage the skits that were written by women so that they'd never make it to air. So he would poorly rehearse them so that he could then say, well, a woman wrote this. So what a pig. It's crap. Uh, and then and a shit actor you know, and not funny. I've never found one thing about John Belushi funny. No, same. Neither. Neither. Never. He's just it, it's that gross collegic wit. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah, it is gross. Okay, In 1998, so. Jerry Lewis. Uh, oh, he's a, a pig. Group. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he said, I don't like female comedians. A woman doing comedy doesn't offend me but sets me back a bit. I, as a viewer, have trouble with it. I think of her as a producing machine that brings babies into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's very open about all that. He's a pig. His audience walked out. Um, after- oh, did he say it on stage? Yes. Good. And then there's a really brilliant Tina Fey quote Um where she's kind of retorting that and she says, whenever someone says to me, Jerry Lewis says women aren't funny or Christopher Hitchens says women aren't funny or Rick Fenderman says women aren't funny, do you have anything to say to that? And I say, yes, we don't fucking care if you like it. <laughs> I don't say it out aloud, of course, because Jerry, Le- Jerry Lewis is a great philanthropist. Hitchens is very sick and the third guy I made up. <laughs> They say shit's not funny. Well, you know what? Um, I forgot to say in our recce's earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants. Yeah. If you haven't read it, read it. But if you haven't read it and you haven't bought it yet, buy it on audio because she reads it out. Oh, that would and be brilliant. And the beginning of each chapter the title is read by a famous person, each a different famous person. Do you know who it is or you have to guess? They're all different. Each chapter has a different famous comedian reading it. Right, right. So it's worth listening to excellent. That's good. I was looking for a new audio book actually. Um, And then then this article ends with in 2011, the prestigious peer-reviewed journals 
askmen.com and psychologytoday.com mm. both peddled evolutionary psychology research in I'm doing those air quotes air quotes that proved air quotes that men had a biological reason to be funnier than women since women are evolutionary choosier uh, potential male partners today still must make more visible displays of their desirable traits, such as intelligence and sense of humour, whereas women don't need to try as hard. Now, I just want to read you this um, article from The New Yorker because it's hilarious. What year? And uh, 2018. Yeah. It's written by a man. Okay? Yep. All right. He says, I hate to say it, I don't think women are funny. Hear me out. Though I have a good reason. Oh my God, I've totally remembered this article. I totally remember this article. <laughs> I once went to a comedy show and there was one woman who performed and she didn't do well. I mean, sure, the audience members were all drunk ye men yelling at her to take a top off, but she did not make me laugh. It's true that I did go to the bathroom about 15 seconds into her set, but still. Meanwhile, of the eight men in the show's lineup, one of them did do well. So I can't say that men aren't funny. When I have a clear example of a man who is funny, can I? There was only one girl in my college math class and she wasn't the best in class. I'd say she was kind of middle of the pack. I hate to think that I'm the sort of guy who believes that women can't do math, but honestly, she wasn't that good at math. <laughs> so I guess women aren't good at math. It's sad, but it's also what the research suggests. <laughs> if there were more women in the class who had been good at math, then maybe I'd believe that women were good at math, but they weren't. She also wasn't that hot. <laughs> so women aren't hot either. I don't want you to think that I'm some sort of sexist, okay? I voted for Hillary Clinton and I'll have you know, it's a, really a bummer that she lost. I guess women just can't run successful presidential <laughs> campaigns as proven by the one woman <laughs> who was once on the ticket in one general election in our nation's 250-year history. Yeah. I met a woman who couldn't walk. She was oh. in a wheelchair. <laughs> I do remember this and as I was staring at her, I got to thinking about how depressing it is that women can't walk. I mean, <laughs> men walk great and it's a really fun thing to do. It also helps you get to places. Like, for example, walking helps me get downstairs to greet my weed dealer. I couldn't walk. He'd have to come upstairs. But seeing that one woman that one time who couldn't walk made me realise that women in general weren't meant to walk. Their brains just aren't wired for that. Brilliant. Next, I encountered a woman who didn't want to have sex with me. And I thought, do all women not want to have sex with me? But then I realised, no, it was definitely just that one woman. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't speak for all women. One single <laughs> woman can't possibly represent the entire global population of women. You can't just meet one woman with one opinion and based on a single thing she says, extrapolate about an entire gender i'm sure almost all women want to have sex with me and she was just a strange outlier <laughs> i mean i love it that is one of who the is most that? like say who that, that brilliant pieces of writing it's so good uh Ginny hogan so so brilliantly and you know what you can argue this is very relevant today with the so anti-vaxxers and yeah. the i know someone who yeah. has had an adverse reaction to a vaccine yeah isn't it brilliant if you are loving this podcast, why don't you 
rate and review us. That's it. Also follow us now. I think it's called follow. It's not subscribe yeah. anymore. There's a little plus button. Just yeah. push it. Follow us and you'll get a little tick and we'll be like, there you go, followed. Yeah, Boom. Give us Done. five stars. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. We're at Chickstery underscore podcast. And we're also now on TikTok because that's what all the cool kids are doing. Yeah. At Chickstery podcast. Ratchet. <laughs> So yeah, um, that was a great article. I do, I did love it a lot. And my chicken history this week, who I've already uh, said I was going to do, is Phyllis Diller. Phyllis Diller. What do you remember about Phyllis Diller? Um, she's in that same category as um, Lucille Ball. Lucille Ball. Yes. And I even, I even want to say Joan Rivers, but it's yeah. not. Yeah. But she kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Those yeah. those white housewifey women. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Who who got the lols from being self-deprecating. Yeah. Being and mum, taking being a housewife. The, yes. Taking the piss out of their so, situation yes. and their husbands. And their husbands. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's right. what I remember. But that's I don't know right. anything else about her. So. All right. Well, let me tell you a bit about her then. Please do. Okay. She was born Phyllis Ada Driver oh. in Lima, Ohio in 1917. I think it's pronounced Lima. Is it? Yeah, because I saw a documentary the other day with Lima and I and then I, the people in the documentary said Lima. Okay, so it's Lima. Lima. Lima, Lima. I know. She was the only child. She was raised as a Methodist, but later became an atheist. Interesting. Very, very interesting. So that's all I'm talking about her personal life because that's enough. Although she did credit most of her success to a motivational book called The The Magic of Believing. From the secret, she, yeah, she did the secret. Oh, what is it called? The magic it's of believing. It's called the magic of believing. Written in 1948 by Claude Bristol. Oh, I want to read it. Which gave her confidence at the start of her career. Oh, she was married and divorced twice. I wonder if that was an early like manifestation book. Yeah, like the it magic was. of believing. Magic is of like believing. You believe. Have you never heard of the magic of believing? I have not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah, yeah, it is everything. And Do you I have went, it? Can I borrow it? Uh, I did have it, yeah. But I have now the magic of thinking big. Okay. Um, which I don't think I have that anymore. Like I had all of this and the power of, the power of now came way later. But yeah. magic, the magic of believing, the magic of believing big and how to make friends and influence people. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were the three that yes. I had yes, yes, that really yeah. helped me at the age of 17 look more at myself that's a, early. That's good that you well, my, were doing that at that age. My parents' friends, Rhonda yeah. and Harry, came to our house. Mum and Dad didn't know what to do. I was really depressed and oh, I was crying every night. Okay. Like They had no idea that was because of sexual abuse. Yeah, yeah. But um, they just didn't know what to do and I wasn't – I didn't have passion anymore for um, acting or yeah. singing or anything. And so Harry and Rhonda came and they brought these three books with them. Wow. Yeah, and I was just like, by the we talked for hours and hours and hours. And by the time they left, I was motivated and I was really excited to get into these books. Oh, that's and the so magic good. of being of believe the magic of believing was one of the best ones, but okay. it was a bit old fashioned. So she was married and divorced twice. She had six children from her marriage with her first husband. Okay. Her second husband was an actor, 
blah, 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 blah. I don't care about all that. I want to talk about her. Husbands. As, <laughs> yeah. Who cares? That's just a part of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, her career. That's what I want to talk about. She was one of the first female comics to become a household name in the US, credited as an influence by Joan Rivers, jo- yeah, there Roseanne you go. Barr, and give me one more. You've already said a name. Uh, and, um, and, and Lucille Ball. Ellen DeGeneres. And Ellen Correct. DeGeneres. <laughs> she had a large gay following and is considered a gay icon. She okay. was also one of the first celebrities to openly champion plastic surgery for which she was recognised by the cosmetic surgery industry. Oh. She contributed to more than 40 films, beginning with 1961's Splendour in the Grass. She appeared in many television series, featuring in numerous cameos, as well as her own short-lived sitcom and variety show. Some of her credits on TV include Night Gallery, The Muppet Show, The, Muppet the Love Boat, of Sybil, Boston Legal and Bold and the Beautiful. Oh, yes. How I good mean, is that's, that? Bold and the Beautiful is a comedy great. Yes. <laughs> she even went on. Um, Bold and the Beautiful I, I think is actually the, at the top of my list of Comedic, comedic shows. shows. It, it, it's the same as like how much we love the comedic stylings of Vicar and Linda, Linda Ball. <laughs> Best comedy duo in the oh, world. Oh, they really are. Um, for you, Sammy. Yeah. So she actually also was a voice actor a little bit. Um, and she was in A Bug's Life. Remember that one with oh, yeah. Jerry yeah. Seinfeld? See, I thought... For some reason, I think I feel like she's a lot older. Older, like she a, is, a but she back. just lived she a long just time. Did a lot, a lot. Yeah, didn't she, she was also Thelma Griffin in Family Guy. Wow, she's incredible. done a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm just going to go. I'm just going to tell you a bit. Her career would honestly take three episodes wow, like that yeah. because she yeah. lived so long so yeah. i'm just going to go straight to the 70s where she was actually really big yes at that okay. time if yep. that's okay sure okay so this is actually from the 70s to 2012 okay okay yeah dilla continued working in television throughout the 70s and 80s appearing as a judge on premiere and subsequent episodes of the gong show which was the brilliant gong if you ever watch just google no youtube the gong show with phyllis diller is that was it like hey hey it's saturday yeah the exactly that they, they stole that from not the gong as racist show. or, or oh, as way racist, racist. <laughs> way just as racist um she was a panelist on the match game remember the match game in america no, i don't remember that one she also starred in The Mouse Factory, Night Gallery, Love American Style, The Muppet Show, The Love Boat, blah, 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 blah. In between 99 and 2003, she played roles in Seventh Heaven and The Drew Carey Show. Did she? Uh-huh. Her successful career as a voice actor continued. We've already spoken about yeah. that. But she was also a voice, voiced in The Nutcracker Prince, Happily Ever After, Casper's oh. Scare School. Jeez, you know, she's a hard worker. She, yeah, I'd say she was like Joan Rivers in that she couldn't stop. Stop. Yeah, won't yeah. stop. Can't stop. Yeah, yeah. Um, she Amazing. was in a lot of television series. Just mm. she, like the list here is huge. It's right. actually huge. Like, and I'm just going to read out a few that you would know of. Yeah, the Wild Thornberrys, the Powerpuff Girls, Robot oh. Chicken, oh, Robot Chicken. Really? Okay. Yeah, King of the Hill. Wow. 
Wow. All right. So, citing advanced aged and a lack of lasting energy, energy, Dilla retired from stand-up in 2002. Shit. Can you believe that? Her 2002? Final, she would have been like 70. Well, she was born in 1917. Yeah. So she wasn't 70. 80 something. Yeah, going on 90. Oh, I can't do the math. No. Yeah. So take it to 2017. <laughs> 15 years off, 85. 85. Unbelievable. She f- stopped stand-up, but she kept working. That's incredible. Her final performance was at the Sun Coast that year in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh. At the time, she stated, if you can't dance to comedy, forget it. It's music. The 2004 documentary, Good Night, We Love You, The Life and Legend of Phyllis Diller, which we must watch. Oh, my gosh. Can we? Yes. Let's watch it after okay. we record today. Okay. Uh, it was shot on the last night of her, on the night of her last performance. It follows Dilla oh. to a press conference backstage and into her home to cover the story of her career. Rip Taylor, Don, Ron, Don Rickles, Roseanne Barr, Red Buttons, Joanne Worley, and Lily Tomlin are all featured. Yeah, wow. Although retired from the stand-up circuit, Dilla never fully left the entertainment industry. In 2005, she was featured as one of the many contemporary comics in the Aristocats. Aristocrats. <laughs> Aristocats. That's a whole other movie. Dylan, who avoided blue comedy. What's blue comedy? Swearing and, you know, oh, dirty like comedy. Dirty, right, yep. Did a version of an old risque vaudeville routine oh. in which she describes herself passing out when she first heard the joke. So you can, I've, I've actually just recently seen that on TikTok. Young kids are looking at it going... Who is she? Right. Why is she? This is hilarious because she's at a bar and gets hit on and passes out at the very thought. It's a really interesting to watch young people watching it yeah. and their comments on the TikTok yeah, going, yeah. it's not funny, but she's funny. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Being really confused by it. Yeah. <laughs> on January 24, 2007, Dilla appeared on The Tonight Show and performed stand-up before chatting with Jay Leno. She's still going. Leno stated that Dilla would infrequently call him to contribute jokes during his time as the host of of Tonight Show. Imagine just getting amazing. Wouldn't you want to? You would want to, but the fact that she cares enough to call is just so beautiful. Yes. Uh, The same year she had a cameo performance, sorry, a cameo appearance portraying herself in an episode of Boston Legal. Wow. In 2011, she appeared in an episode of her friend, Roseanne Barr's reality show, Roseanne's Nuts. Uh, Shall we? (laughs) And then Roseanne got cancelled. Oh, she got cancelled way later. In 2012, she recorded a version of Charlie Chaplin's song, Smile. She was also an author, publishing her first bestseller in 1966. And releasing more throughout the decade, Dilla's books on domestic life featured her self-deprecating humour. The titles included Phyllis Dilla's Housekeeping Hints, Phyllis Dilla's Marriage Manual and The Complete Mother. In 1981, she published The Joys of Ageing and How to Avoid Them. Her autobiography, Like a Lampshade in a Whorehouse, My My Life in Comedy, co-written with Richard Buskin, was published in 2006. Oh, like a lampshade in a hall house. That's brilliant. <laughs> My life in comedy. <laughs> it says so much. Oh, 
much, doesn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, in it, Dula tells of an unhappy childhood with undemonstrative mm. emotionally withholding parents and an equally unhappy first marriage. From these beginnings, her performing style, telling rapid-fire jokes, emerged, which she compares to music. One joke followed the other with a flow and a rhythm. Everything has to have a natural feel to it. Mm. In the early 90s, Dilla had many short humorous pieces published in Ellery Queen's Mystery Magazine. Well, I never. Mm, she was also a musician. Dilla had Jeez, studied the piano. I'm from, tired just I know. hearing about all this. Of this is nothing. Like it's I told incredible. you, we could talk about yeah. Phyllis Dilla for three episodes. Yeah. That's how yeah. much there is about her. Yeah. Dilla has had studied the piano for many years and and was an accomplished player, but decided against a career in music after hearing her teachers and mentors play with much more skill Mm. than she thought that she would ever be able to achieve. She still played in private, however, Mm -hmm. and owned a custom-made harpsichord. Harpsichord. Where'd you go over to her house? Playing the harpsichord. And she would go... Do you want to come and listen to me play on the uh, harpsichord? Because that's how she spoke. Remember, she had a really raspy yeah. voice. Play us a tune. But she had a very raspy voice. You want to come Phyllis. over and listen to me play on the harpsichord? <laughs> you sound like the. I do. Um, the, is it the one out of the Simpsons? Thelma. Thel- Patty and Patty and Selma. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise known as Thelma. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Between 71 and 81, she appeared as a piano soloist with symphony orchestras across the country under the under the stage name Dame Ilia Dilia. <laughs> really? Yes. Her performances were spiced with humour, but she took the music seriously. A review of one of her concerts in the San Francisco Examiner called her a fine concert pianist with a firm touch. Imagine she'd she'd do that whole like cruise ship like yes. how are we feeling tonight. Hey, yeah, how like, you doing? Hey, how you doing? Here's a little something something for yeah. you. <laughs> you could just do totally. It, that would be such a good show to see. Okay, and one more thing she did. Yeah, one before okay. we get to her yeah. death. Okay, she was an artist. Oh, of course she was. A self-taught artist, she began painting in 1963. She worked in acrylics, watercolours and oils throughout the 70s and filled her Brentwood, California home with her portraits and still lifes. In 2003, at aged 86, she held the first of several art parties, selling her artwork along with her stage clothes and costume jewellery. Wow, what a vessel for creativity. I know. It's just oozing out of every... Yeah. Available poor. Yeah. So in 1997, as she passed her 80th birthday, Dylan began to suffer from various ailments, as you do as when you're 80. Jeez. I mean, gosh. Uh, her heart stopped in 1999 during oh, a hospital stay. She was fitted with a pacemaker. She had a bad drug reaction and became paralysed. Oh, God. Through physical therapy, she was able to walk again. Is this when she's 80? She's approaching 90. Holy shit. Um, she actually, in 2007, fractured her back and had to cancel an appearance on The Tonight Show <sighs> during which she had planned to celebrate her 90th birthday. Oh, my goodness. She conducted in 2012 her final interview 
accepting the Lifetime Achievement Award from her hometown, Lima. Lima. Lima, Ohio, as a part of panel of as a part of a panel of comedians. She died in her home in Brentwood on the morning of August 20, 2012, aged 95. She was cremated and her ashes were scattered at sea. What a life. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That was so good. That was such a good episode, if we do say so ourselves. Well, and we just did. (laughs) So next week, uh, what are we going to do? I think we should do Chicks in Literature. I think we should do Chicks chicks in Literature too. Chicks in Lit. Chick Lit. Chick Lit. Chick Lit. Down on the town. Chick Lit. Chick Lit. Chick lit. Look See at you next week. Pete looking at us. He's like, See you next week. See you next your week. New owner is batshit crazy. Bye. Bye. That was great.